What's up, Energy Fam? This is Justin, and welcome back to another episode of Wicked Energy with JG. My goal with each episode is to deconstruct the minds of today's energy thought leaders to uncover their framework and tools used in their journeys of providing energy to the world. So sit back, relax, and remember that everything you see around you requires some form of energy. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. I hope everyone's 2023 starting off with a bang. I know mine did. I blew up my hand pretty good with uh, firecrackers. That's what happens when you put uh, firecrackers in the hands of a Canadian. We're not used to all this firework stuff. Um, although my daughter's been putting tons of fire uh, of uh, frozen band-aids on my hands, so I'm in good shape there. I'm here with Adam Murray, uh, VP of Performance Products at WeldFit. Adam and I go back to I think the pandemic days, um, and like many of us out there, built a relationship on LinkedIn, had some great conversation over the years. Um, Adam's an entrepreneurial executive with 20 years of proven uh, new business development experience and has a pretty gnarly LinkedIn profile pic, which if I'm not mistaken, is was that created with AI? Did I yeah. see something? Yeah. That is, yeah. I've seen a few people do that. How? how uh, so explain that. What? How does that work? <clears throat> well, I'm really only on LinkedIn and Twitter, so I don't have too much uh, social media or, or or that kind of involvement. I kind of focus on those two for my information, but yeah. um, I sort of saw everyone here <clears throat> toward the middle of the year last year posting these really cool drawings of themselves and uh, images and whatnot, and so, you know, like everybody else, I downloaded the app, paid the five bucks, and got you know, whatever it was, 20 images of, uh, of myself there. So that is so cool. I think I saw, so I saw you do it. And then I think Kevin Burns may have done it too at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I hadn't dove into it, but I kept seeing, and I've been meaning to ask somebody. So what, what is the app or what, what's it called? Oh man, let me pull out my phone here real quick. It is, um, no worries. While you search for it, I do want to just make a quick announcement to tell everyone about my new sponsor inflow control. They're a Norwegian technology company dedicated to improving the efficiency of oil recovery while simultaneously reducing the industry's environmental impact using autonomous inflow control valve technology, mostly known as AICV. This technology improves oil production by reducing unwanted gas and water, which enables mature oil fields to be more profitable by supporting oil production from zones that would have typically been bypassed. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or simply check them out on LinkedIn or at inflowcontrol.no. Adam, did you find it? Yeah, yeah, Lensa, L-E-N-S-A. Uh, okay. Basically put in a bunch of selfies of yourself or whatever and uh, it spits back. I don't know if we can see this on here, but it spits back, you know, a bunch oh, of yeah. images that you can use. So there's so cool. an astronaut, you know, you can Yeah. <laughs> No, that, that's cool. Man. I, I love playing around with that stuff. And it's cool because the, the whole AI movement and, and just the conversation, I mean, it's been around for a minute, but I think people are now are slowly understanding the potential. And I think what it's offering now is probably different than what most people thought originally, which is like most technologies in, in, some, in a lot of cases. Um, and especially I, I keep seeing, and I've even played with it, is this, this uh, chat GPT or mm -hmm. Jasper um have, have you played around with any of that stuff yeah i use jasper um i subscribe oh. to jasper um okay I, I think um one it gives you good ideas as far as what you want to do trying to build your brand socially so you can just type in you know give me 
10 predictions for oil and gas in 2013 and or 2023 sorry yeah yeah. Uh, (laughs) they'll tell you that right um chat gbt uh i believe their information doesn't search the internet and only goes up to about 2021 um still an extremely powerful tool um but uh for the most part jasper kind of searches the internet and you can get a lot of relevant up-to-date uh information man that is so do you think google will ultimately overcome or or surpass them in terms of their sort of ai type capabilities or do you think google will be slowly phased away because that's always that's something that i've been pondering on now for the last few weeks Nah, man i mean i think google is such a monopoly i mean last time i looked i think it was like 85 percent of searches or something go through google right um yeah. So I think I think the way you interact with Google is going to change uh, to sort of how you interact with Jasper AI, right? Like you're going to be able to say, "Hey, help me write a blog post about this," and it will do that for you um, for the most part. Make sure it's not plagiarized; it'll pull stuff off the internet, um, or so stuff cool. for you. But you still have to make it your own, like you know. I work in the pipeline and midstream and gas processing businesses. And, you know, it, it's not intuitive enough to write an article about complex gas processing or the happenings inside a harp type slug catcher or that kind of stuff. So I don't, I I think the biggest thing for me was recognizing that AI isn't going to take my job. It's going to make me better at it or more efficient. And so, um, you know, a lot of times I think people get kind of freaked out, like, yeah, well, a computer could do your job. Well, they can, but a computer can also 10x you at your job. And yeah. uh, the antiquated oil field from upstream to downstream, I think, uh, is taking steps to embrace what AI or technology, even just standard automation will will do to uh, the industry. Yeah, I, I could, I couldn't agree more. And, and it's, you're right. There, there's, there's kind of two camps, right? There's the camp that understands the potential and, and aren't afraid of it. Where, and then there's some that are like, oh, well, all it's doing, mm-hmm. like everyone has, it's in, it, it levels the playing field. Anyone can say, write me a blog post or write me a, a LinkedIn post on, I don't know, whatever cabins on a water, whatever, whatever topic. Yeah. Right. And it'll ultimately spit out something similar ish. And I think over time they'll improve the output to where it's, it doesn't look and sound so robotic, but I think the variable for success is going to be creativity and the person driving it into your point. It's like, you still have to make it your own. It'll give you enough juice to where you can manipulate or not necessarily manipulate it. You can, if you want, but to kind of tweak it, to make it, you know, come from your own type of, you know, sort of language that you would speak, and, yeah. and, and I think over time, ultimately, it's going to get to a point where it will be able to, to look at your, the tone of your delivery on certain things and, and really fine tune it to where it will become, it'll have that creative sort of element to it. But right now, yeah. it's, it's very much, uh, it kind of spits out the facts. And, and I, I've played around, not with Jasper, but the other one. And, it, and I've asked it several questions. And now I can start recognizing the patterns in which it delivers the message or the the written content which is fine because then I can take it and tweak it and modify it to make it my own um but again I, I think it just it amplifies our ability and it allows us to execute on content creation 
because the execution part of it's basically come commoditized. But again, it's the creativity, which is driving it that I think is the variable for success. Yeah. So chat GPT and Jasper, it's all about the ask, right? So you have to give it very specific commands, like write me a children's book about X and make them do Y and have steps, you know, Z, A, and B, and then summarize it. Like you almost, you have to write like that whole thing. And then it comes up with a pretty good story, right? Or at least, you know, yeah. But, um, you know, the other danger though, that I do want to point out as I have been playing around with it, I mean, I've only subscribed to Jasper for about a month now. Uh, you can probably look at my last couple of posts. They were Jasper originated. Um, oh, most, okay. Uh, dating back to when I posted about AI on LinkedIn. Um, uh, the danger that I have found is there is so much content from the ESG movement or anti-fossil fuel movement that that's what it pulls. So I did, oh. I just did a couple cert, you know, questions to Jasper about like, you know, tell me about fossil fuel or tell me about oil and gas in 2023. And I mean, it straight up says like, it's going away. Like the the AI pulls that off the top, wherever it pulls from. And it, it, it's really got a negative connotation about our business. And I just, I don't know if that's because there's lack of content out there. um, If there's, you know, just everyone else in the other camp is using it more than we are or whatever. But um, I just found that to be pretty interesting. So if you want to write anything pro fossil fuels, uh, you really have to like tell it uh, to produce that content. Wow. What an interesting exercise and and, and sort of observation. And I would imagine to your point, because ultimately it come, everything comes from the internet. And if you were to look at, to keep it simple, if you, if, if someone or somehow you could scrape the internet and come up with an overall percentage of content that was either pro or anti oil and gas, I bet you it leans, I would say 60 to 70% anti and 30% pro to which then Jasper or whoever, you know, picks up the information it's pulling from, it has less because it can't think critically about, you know, the narrative. All it does is it pulls stuff off the internet and then right. organizes it in a somewhat cohesive manner. <laughs> yeah. So if you think it's sixty to seventy percent in your oil and gas network, it's probably more like eighty. For sure. For you know, if you were a banker and you did that kind of stuff, like eight out of yeah. ten people you hear, maybe not in Texas, Oklahoma. Or, you know, Eastern New Mexico would be different, but anywhere else in the country, I'm sure you're hearing about their new EV and, you know, all their new battery technology or whatever. It's just very anti-fossil fuel, you know, mainly along the coast, right? Where two thirds of the population lives, but. No kidding. No, it's, uh, man, this, it's, it's, again, for the listeners, this is, uh, the the intent (laughs) is to talk energy, not just, just AI, but I think it all plays in part, right? It's, and it, and it comes down to communicating our message. And by ours, I mean, anyone in energy, whether, you know, whatever side of the fence you, you sit on, it doesn't really matter. But the point of this, I think, is just, you know, talking about that what's out there, what's available. And, and then, you know, coming back to the whole AI thing, I think is fascinating. Um, we were talking a little bit before about uh, 
kind of the background. You could tell that I'm I'm the podcaster with the with with no fancy background. Okay. But Adam here clearly is set up for success on the video situation. Um, what rig is that, or or where's that picture taken from? I I, I mean, as a you know a rig hand myself, <clears throat> I, I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, actually, I'm not certain. Um, so Bob Callender is a very talented um, photographer out of Midland, Odessa. And um, uh, you can visit bobcalendar.com. But when I was a part of the GPA, um, I believe it was the North Texas GPA had an event uh, where this was one of the prizes and I actually won it. So this is uh, number 37 37 out of 150 uh, of this one that was produced. Uh, But he's he's got a lot more that are on there. It's pretty, he's got a great website. If I could decorate the rest of my office with it, I would. No kidding. Is it mostly oil field related? Uh, it's yeah, it's all oil field related, basically. Wow. That is too cool. And so, you know, lastly, before we move on here, so tell me about Kansas. I mean, I had, you know, since having two kids and being so busy, yeah. I haven't watched anything. Um, how did Kansas do this year in football? I mean, well, they, we had a great, there? we had a great year in football. Um, you know, okay. sorry, sorry to everyone in Texas. We usually beat them. Uh, <laughs> which is weird, but uh, we got a new coach. Things are looking up in football, basketball. We just beat Texas Tech last night. Covered the spread, so okay, go there. Uh, the ball on the left is my ch- is a championship ball. Well, we were number one when the season was canceled with COVID, so I I call it a championship ball. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Calipari, right there, he was an assistant coach at KU. Everyone always asks about the Kentucky ball, but that was a gift uh, from uh, my father-in-law, actually. So Ah, gotcha. Man, that's cool. And then, you know, you got two trophies behind you. You're showing them off, with, you know, proudly. What are those? Oh, I did some bodybuilding competitions on my COVID. Uh, I, I was set to go to Hawaii uh, with my wife and friends. Uh, for my 40th birthday, I'm now 42. Okay. <laughs> um, and COVID canceled that trip. Uh, I hired a trainer and was getting ready to look good at that trip. COVID canceled it. My trainer was like, man, you're 40 years old. You got abs. You're ready to go. So why don't you just take it a step further and compete in a show? Dude, what? And so I did that. Um, and the worst thing that could happen is I got second. Uh, my competitive <laughs> uses uh, kicked in and I wanted to win. So I ended up doing another one uh, and then ended up competing in nationals in Pittsburgh. Uh, Holy smokes, man. I didn't. So clearly that's more of a, of a, of a you know, personal hobby because you ha- I haven't seen any, you know, ab shots on LinkedIn, you know, no, no, no. trophies I with I posted, you. I posted one when I won. Uh, the here in Dallas, but that's it. Yeah, man. As someone who lives and breathes health and fitness outside of oil and gas and energy, I I can appreciate that. I know folks. I mean, I've got good buddies that have competed on, you know, whether it be physique. I don't know if I actually have any buddies that competed in true bodybuilding. That's like a whole nother level. But um, yes. man, the the level of discipline and the lifestyle that guys like you go through is like is something like I've never seen. Man, it's like every minute of the day is dedicated towards like improving your physique. Well, you can't see those medals over there, right? Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. That's um, uh, Colorado State uh, bench press record holder. Damn it, man. We got a lot more in common than I thought. Okay. Yeah. 
it, Dude, it's that since is... been broken, but I held it for a minute. <laughs> what? What? So what was the record then? Uh, it was it was low. It was like three eighty five for my weight at the time. I think I weighed about two hundred pounds. It was two weeks after my son was born. I was just goofing around and found a powerlifting competition, so I went ahead and entered it. Dude, you're a beast, man. So, and I I keep asking these questions. We'll get into the juice here. But how tall are you? Uh, five ten and a half. Okay, so. so we're roughly the same. Okay, cool. Well, man, again, I, I could keep asking questions. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm big into health, fitness, bodybuilding, performance we'll training. We'll that next week, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I, well, we'll do a round two, Doc, only about, you know, bodybuilding and, and health and all that. And every, I'm sure everyone will just be like, you freaking guys. But um, anyway, let, let's let's kind of take a pivot here. Um, you've been in, in, in energy now for, for quite a while. What, where did, how, where did you start off and then where are you at now? And with regards to your energy journey? Yeah. So I actually worked for the Colorado Rockies baseball team. Um, oh. my, my first, my first job out of college was enterprise rent a car, uh, forerunner engineering in Denver, a very reputable, uh, engineering firm was one of our corporate accounts. And so, um, a good friend of mine, uh, Kelly Morgan, worked there. We went to high school together. And then uh, Katrina Lopez, who is pretty well known around the industry, uh, she was at the time, I think, the front desk person or a marketing person. Uh, but she would always sign for um, uh, the rental cars for the engineers driving to their Durango office, uh, working on coal bed methane down there. And so anyways, fast forward, uh, I left Enterprise, worked for the Colorado Rockies. Uh, Katrina was marketing, so she would always buy groups, suites, you know, season ticket kind of stuff. And so every time they did that, I would just go visit them, being a good sales steward of the business. And, um, you know, uh, one thing led to another, and I just kind of asked them what they did and how they did it. And I got a job at Power Service, uh, which is now a D-Now company, but uh, Power Service, you know, sold compressor skids and uh, lack units and vessels and did all the things. Um, So I got to do that for a while, Um, sort of made my name uh, doing water disposal uh, buildings, Um, did a bunch of those in Western Colorado and and Four Corners area. Mm -hmm. And... Then I worked at an engineering firm, um, Hawker Consulting in Denver. Uh, really cool opportunity there. I think I was employee seven or eight. Uh, we ended up growing to about 135, I think. I don't know where they're at today, but uh, that was explosive growth there. Um, then worked at, Then I sort of started working into the midstream side, right? We did, uh, at Hawker, we did a big gathering project. We did a big central processing facility, uh, multi-year you know, multi-billion dollar project development in Colorado. Um, that is not, that's my oil and gas investor magazine. That's what it is right there. Yeah. Um, we made the cover. And uh, so I uh, did that and then sort of pivoted. I really got into gas processing. I just thought all the gas processors were the smartest people in the room. Uh, and so, you know, I sort of, latched onto those folks, um, became involved with the GPA in Denver, um, uh, ended up being president of that organization 10 years later, um, and then uh, worked at Taylor Ford. So they're kind of the global leader in harp type slug catchers. And 
then worked at a private equity backed gas processor down here in Dallas. And now I'm at WeldFit working mainly the engineered product side. So uh, hmm. hard plug catchers, extruded outlet headers. Um, we developed a mobile compressor system, a recap system. So basically uh, emissions reduction um, service that we provide. And then uh, we do automated launchers and receivers as well. That's so cool. No, I, I definitely want to hear a little bit more about WeldFit, um, you know, in, in a sec here, but I'm curious, uh, do you still think gas processing folks are the smartest in the room? Has that changed? No, I don't know. I think, I think uh, I've revealed some secrets here, but if I'm ever in a meeting, uh, I usually try and identify the process engineer, okay. you know, which, which in upstream would probably be the downhole engineer, right? Or the petroleum engineer in the room. But yeah. In my meetings, I identify the process engineer because if the process doesn't work, they can veto the whole thing. So uh, you really got to get them on your side. Um, you got to talk through the complexities of what, you know, I build, um, get them comfortable with that. And once that happens, things usually start to manifest from there. That makes sense. Uh, so kind of looking at things from a macro perspective, I mean, you've done over the years and, and over time, have, have really put out some good sort of thought provoking content on LinkedIn. You clearly pay attention to what's going on with energy markets to, to some degree. Um, but I'm curious for you, uh, you know, what, do you have any core beliefs that you've changed your mind on over the last few years? I mean, obviously we've gone through, you know, no pun intended, but we, we've transitioned as an industry yeah. I mean, just as, as a world, um, you know, with, with our view and our focus and all our initiatives, but do you, do you have you, have you kind of looked through things through a bit of a different lens or do you still have some strong conviction, you know, the same way you've had for years? You know, I was talking to the economic development corporation in Denver, uh, a while back. And uh, the woman I was speaking to was responsible for bringing business businesses to Denver. That was her job, right? So, um, and just simply asked, you know, where does electricity come from? You know, this was kind of when Tesla was kicking off 2018, maybe somewhere around there, 16, 17, 18. And she said the plug. And so my, my core belief hasn't really changed, but I think a glaring weakness in our industry and society in general is one, they have no idea where their energy comes from, uh, what it takes to create that energy. Um, and then two, how much energy it takes to, uh, provide for now eight plus billion people around the world, right? There are, there, you know, I think we just exceeded eight billion people worldwide here in the last month. And, um, you know, uh, these, these anti-fossil fuel folks, while I may empathize with them on a few things, uh, who am I to tell 2.1 billion people in the world that they can't have coal, natural gas, uh, better products that allow them to thrive as a community or as a as a individual even, and so uh, living locally but thinking globally is just I think something that 
is really hard. We all kind of get in our own bubble, whether it's on social media or whether it's just in my little office here. Sure, um, sure. So, I mean, my core belief is I think it's really, really difficult and complex to understand the entire energy spectrum. And uh, I'm for all energy, uh, mostly. Um, I have my biases, of course, like we all do, but yeah. um, I think there there is a balance somewhere that needs to be struck so that people can thrive or flourish, as Alex Epstein says in his uh, books. Yeah, no, he, he's uh, he's a huge promoter of, of of course, like the fossil fuels and human flourishing, and 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 I think he's you know, and I quote anti oil and gas is anti human life or something like that. Like he has yeah. a very strong stance and. And while I, I kind of chuckle at his him as a character, and, and I res, I respect what he does. I mean, he has a strong stance, and he's committed, and he's yeah. he's all out there. Um, but I mean, do you do you think do you think ultimately guys like him or him in general is he helping the situation or is he hurting us? Uh, I think he does a great job at maintaining his cool. Um, you know, he's always open for debate. His, he, I mean, that's what he is, right? He's a, a debater, a philosopher. Um, and I think that's really neat. I think we need those folks. Um, I, uh, you know, know Alex personally and, uh, you know, think what he does is pretty awesome. So I'm glad yeah. that he's there and a resource and promoting the message of human flourishing. I think that's important, you know, um, but not, no disrespect to Alex, but, um, you know, he's not necessarily internal in our industry, right? Like he's just an outside philosopher that happened to, you know, latch on to fossil fuels being something that helps promote, uh, you know, prosperity, uh, which is great. But our industry, I think after T. Boone Pickens, after Aubrey McClendon, um, you know, maybe to a sense Harold Hamm, but we don't have an Elon Musk. Like we don't have someone that can relate to younger generational people. We don't have that charisma that, you know, people are very outspoken about, um, you know, that kind of mover and shaker innovator. I mean, imagine if the CEO of Exxon bought X Truth Social or Twitter or, you know, yes. partnered with Amazon or, you know, uh, did something to to meld together the fossil fuel industry and the tech industry, right? I mean, Exxon's a global leader. I'm not, again, no disrespect to them, but I just don't think we have that Elon Musk type character that that really put things on the map. That's, I mean, that's a fascinating sort of, I, you know, thought exercise is to think of, because if you, yeah, we, we don't have a global we have global influence, but we don't have a, in a, in a world of influencers, we don't have a global influencer that can sit at the mountaintop and have millions of people respect and, you know, listen and ultimately change their behaviors based off what that individual's sort of ideologies or, or what they're trying to help push or support. Um, you know, and, and again, I, I think knowing, I have a social circle that, that, that expands far beyond oil and gas, which I'm grateful for because I think it's, it's healthy. Um, and the thing is that, again, this is just my small, you know, take is that, you know, I think Alex could be possibly someone who, who does, you know, 
helps actually change the industry or not necessarily change the industry, but, but really makes a difference. But people from the outside look at him as kind of a, a clown. And I hate to say that. Um, I don't oh. know why I think it's, yeah, it's I mean, sad, a, but I don't know. A lot of his public stuff, um, you know, uh, is interesting and always good content, right? Whether you like it or dislike it, it's out there and it yeah. gets, it gets play. I think um, where he has best uh, influenced the industry is through his books and through his consultative, you know, under the water kind of work. So, yeah. you know, you talk about uh, the Liberty Resources uh, guys and you talk about, you Chris know, Wright, the, yeah. yeah, Chris and, and the folks that kind of have picked up the messaging and have been a little bit more outspoken, you know, the Innovex guys uh, making North Face their best customer, uh, <laughs> you know, poking the bear, you know, some people like it, some people don't. I thought it was funny, but, um, yeah. you know, I think, I think. His, his underlying consultative work and messaging that helps the Chris ride to the world better uh, project to the general public, that's the value that, that I, I think happens. Yeah. The books have certainly made me a better uh, steward of our industry, trying to talk, you know, mostly educationally, uh, and cordially to others out there. I mean, yeah, you know, Twitter. No, is there's, a, there's but, no doubt, and and I would agree. And and if anyone listens is listening and, and thinking like I'm I'm sh I'm shitting on him, it's definitely not the case. It's just I, the point I was making is that I think for someone to make a true difference, and and for us as an industry, I think he's done extremely well. And I, I've read the books. You know, yeah. he's got plenty of of good content out there and resources. Like he clearly works hard. I think with good intent. And it's not like, Hey, look at me. I want to sit on, you know, in the spotlight. It's, it's, it's for, for, I think for him, there's a deeper underlying reason why he's doing this. And so I have the utmost respect to him hands down. Um, but I guess kind of tying it together is if we had someone, like you said, to kind of stand at the mountaintop and, and make mass influence on people's sort of thought patterns or behaviors, uh, that'd be huge. And I, I don't think we're quite there. I think Toby Rice does a really phenomenal job on, on his stance really coming, job. coming out of the Northeast um you know he's you know you know a family from boston comes they, they have the coolest story and and i think he he brings a really cool element to to our industry obviously very pro natural gas which it all is part of it right um but uh but no it's it's interesting conversation i don't i don't know where it goes i know there's a ton of huge advocates and actually it was interesting i had was i on a podcast yeah i think it was on a podcast i was talking to a gentleman and uh he's they're on the industrial and construction side mm -hmm. and he's on like kind of the marketing and, and and he's he plays in the same sandbox as is kind of like guys like me and and you know creates content tries to create awareness does some marketing and he said a lot of the folks that he runs around in his industry look at oil and gas as guys that are like making huge jumps and strides in our branding our marketing our messaging and almost like kind of inspires uh you know that industry as well because they're kind of under the radar blue collar you know and it's right. they don't get a lot of the, the sexy appraise that that you know guys like in the tech industry get and all this fancy stuff um but but at the end of the day it's like the u.s and and you know is built on the backbone of, of people doing the labor 
And right. so, but oftentimes they just don't have a voice. And so it's cool to, to hear someone from the outside in saying, you guys are, your branding and your messaging and what you guys are doing, um, the organizations that you guys have are like super cool. And so I was like, oh, nice. Like, okay, we are getting our name out there, which was kind of refreshing to hear. Yeah, I mean, I, I always talked about this when I was involved with the GPA. And I mean, I still am sort of on a national level, but, you know, our industry does a lot of really good things, whether it's $500 for a book scholarship or whether it's $50,000 for a full year scholarship. I mean, yeah. you know, the Houston GPA has a huge endowment. They've put multiple kids through, you know, college. They've, they've helped people get jobs. They, you know, there's a lot of things our industry, that's just one small piece. Our industry does a lot more than that. So, yeah, no, I, I think, I, and that's one thing too, that's not spoken about enough. And, I mean, and, and I think if people spoke about it or tried to highlight it, maybe people would look at it as, oh, you're bragging. But the reality, and if you look at the numbers, a lot of the publicly traded companies will put out there on their you know, sustainability reports or their annual reports on how much money goes back into uh, just, you know, their, their local communities and right. all the rest of it. I mean, you do a little digging and it's clear that you know, they're doing their best, um, which What's again is the S, is, right? With the S in ESG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is. So. Yeah, no, that's, it's, it's an interesting topic. Um, so kind of, you know, narrowing in a bit, zooming in more to what you do on a day-to-day, um, you know, you, you have an extensive background in midstream and, and now you're more on uh, sort of the, the manufacturing side and, you know, you're, you're involved more on sort of you know, would be pipeline, petrochem refineries, and then that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, what, what are you kind of doing? And, and what what does that space look like right now? Um, you know, what's what's kind of the, uh, what are you seeing in that space? And and what you what, what problems are you guys solving for the market right now? Yeah, um, so during the downturn, uh, or COVID, I call it a little bit of a blip downturn, I guess. Uh, during COVID, uh, during COVID, I think when you and I last spoke, um, you know, we were sort of projecting that gas was going to go up, um, you know, just the rigs weren't there. Um, the, the, the demand was going to come roaring back, which ultimately ended up coming to fruition a little bit. Um, you know, I feel like we're kind of starting to see a little bit of recession here. Inflation is certainly happening. Um, but, you know, WealthFit took that opportunity to look at itself and how we can make our products better. So, um, we first started off, we made our automated launchers and receivers better, um, not necessarily better. We actually just made a smaller unit so that we can put it on upstream, uh, you know, uh, uh, facilities. So if you are using a ton of chemicals or, or getting uh, paraffin on your wells, on your gathering lines, uh, we have sort of an automated solution that can help that. Um, but mostly we've been focused on uh, recap. So uh, recap is... A mobile compressor system. Uh, we have a bunch of different models now, but it's a it's a mobile compressor system where um, if you want to take down a part of a pipeline, or if you want to isolate a compressor station, uh, if you're doing a line stop uh, and you need to depressurize that. So any time where you would have voluntary venting or flaring, yeah. we take our compressor, we hook it up, and we just move the gas around the valve. Right. And but we can take it to zero. That's sort of the difference. So think about it like this. You have a pipeline, you shut it down. You need to work on that pipeline, but it's got 900 PSI of natural gas in it. 
We hook up to that pipeline and we take the gas down to zero PSI and just move it into an adjacent pipeline or around the isolation valve uh, or into a facility or whatever we need to do. And so we uh, WellFit won an innovation award at PPIM last year. Uh, that's that award right there. Uh, okay. we, we, we won the innovation award uh, last year. And so for the first half of the year, I've sort of been, or I was on the speakers tour, uh, just really growing awareness for this technology. There's a couple of companies out there that do it. Um, the way we go about it is very unique. And uh, again, we can take it to zero. So that's kind of the, we can actually pull a vacuum um, and go to 1440. So it's a pretty unique uh, solution. Uh, wow. I spent the better part of a year learning uh, all of the various different applications we can do. So um, on the upstream side, I mean, we can, we can, uh, uh, you know, use it for mobile gas injection um, for, for gas lift kind of applications. Um, we can, uh, we've talked to folks, we haven't executed it yet, but if we depressurize above a plugged well, so say you got liquids holding up, you know, a gas well, uh, if we depressurize above it fast enough, we think the pressure can overcome the liquids and, and ultimately uh, get that well flowing again. Um, oh we've learned, we've learned of hundreds of different solutions. Um, a big problem that uh, we're going to be talking about this year uh, is ILI runs. So uh, these, these pipeline companies, they have to run these inline inspection tools uh, according to the mega rule and according to the new regulations that are out. And, um, you know, in order for those to inspect the pipeline properly, they have to run at a very specific speed. Mm. Well, pipelines change elevations, they change uh, diameters, they have bends, they have curves, they have, you know, problems, dents uh, during construction and all sorts of stuff. So um, what we have found is because of the way we go about our recap uh, gas capture, rather than where you would normally uh, vent or flare gas in front of that pig to create the pressure differential, yeah, uh, we can actually take the gas in front of it uh, and, and remove it so that the pig moves at a steady rate, um, or we can actually inject gas behind the pig and make it move at a steady rate. And so, we take an engineered approach on on all of those things so that we we do it right the first time. Um, but the way that recap works is pretty interesting, and there's a lot of applications for it. So, no you know, kidding. voluntary venting and flaring, uh, in my mind, are going away. Uh, and if you think about how much that is, uh, it's a crazy market to be in right now. Um, I mean, every time you open a filter pot. Every time you dip a tank, every time you uh, you know open a launcher and receiver, uh, that is a specific volume of gas, right? Depending upon what it is, and so those things uh, are going to go away, I think. Huh. So you guys are a, a solution to help control that and, and make use of it, essentially, or yep. be be able to work while. So on the, on the pipeline side, like you're talking about, is that where if, 
so do you, you guys can tie in and divert to where you can work on like a or well to where then the pipeline company can work on a valve and this and that so is so the alternative assuming hypothetically someone didn't know about you guys what would they normally do they would have to shut like shut the pipeline down to be able yeah, to here's a here's a good example and this is a huge example so uh you know it might not be an everyday occurrence but we had a customer uh they purchased a new pipeline they ran tests on that pipeline right and they identified five different locations that they needed to do work replace pieces of pipe replace risers or whatever so they had to physically get in there cut that section of pipe out and put in a new section of pipe right yeah well how do you do that on a 165 mile pipeline uh that you know has 900 psi gas in it so what we did is we went to the end section of that pipeline we isolated it 165 miles of pipeline actually i think it ended up being about 140 but we 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 isolated that section of pipeline we hooked our compressor suction up so we were pulling gas out of it we were keeping that gas flowing to their customers their their downstream end users utility company so that they were still getting a gas feed uh, while we were depressurizing we took the entire pipeline down they worked on all five spots at once and then they brought the line back up all while still maintaining operations uh mostly there's it limited downtime it it didn't it didn't completely okay. it didn't completely you know you're still taking a pipeline down to zero psi but um but rather than shut one section down work on it shut another section down, work on it. So rather than it take multiple months or weeks to do each of those five individual projects, they yeah. chose to take it all down at once, worked on it all five at one time and then brought it back up. So I mean, it was only mm -hmm. down a couple of days versus, you know, what could okay. have been weeks. I see. Yeah, no, so, so clearly, I mean, time is money and there's tremendous amount of value capturing yeah. if, if, you, if you could do it all at once. And so, we kept uh, all that gas in the system, right? So that gas uh, was flowing to their customers rather than being burned or vented into the atmosphere. Right, which again is is another huge benefit there. What yeah. so so with with I mean, because there's just hundreds and hundreds of miles of pipeline here in the US. I mean, do you just have work from here to freaking 2300 or like because to me it's yeah, I like mean uh we can I mean we continue to grow our fleet every day. Um we we have multiple models, we have multiple units, we got uh I don't know how many crews now, but we've done work in I don't know 38 states or something like that. We've done hundreds, hundreds of wow. projects, and it's really only been commercialized for 12 months or so. Little over that's crazy. Months. So you got a lot of runway to 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 go with for it. Yeah, I mean there's a couple people that are kind of jumping into the, the market, but um you know, I sort of think we're kind of leading the way, at least on the on the average size projects or, or greater. Yeah. So what do you what do you think the, is, is the biggest challenge that exists in in sort of that space or just in pipelines in general? Uh, well, we talked about AI a little bit. I think there's some really cool technology coming out that, you know, can essentially track every molecule. Right. Um, you know, uh, that's an interesting uh thing as technology costs come down for that that's an interesting thing that's going to happen i think more or less we're going to be able to track 
you know, every source of emissions. Um, <clears throat> I think the uh, Inflation Reduction Act is a huge, uh, I don't know, I don't know what I call it, but uh, it's the first time in history that we've had essentially a carbon tax. Um, and I think there's going to be a gotcha moment, and that really worries me. Um, so starting 360 days from today, so January 1, 2024, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act is going to start charging uh, for fugitive emissions. So methane emissions, carbon equivalent emissions. Um, the sticky wicket there is they're not actually going to charge you until 2026. So I think we're going to get through 2024 and everyone's going to be like, ah, nobody really said anything. It's just business as usual. And then all of a sudden in 2026, they're going to get this invoice for X number of millions of dollars saying, hey, you vented this much gas in 2024 and now you got to pay for it. So who's going to track that to then calculate or generate that cost value? The government? I don't know. Huh. Inflation. I mean, I mean, it's it's pretty uh, light on details. I haven't read the full whatever it is, four thousand pages of it, but I've read as many summaries as I can find, and uh, I don't really know how they're going to track that. Whether it's self, um, you know, regulated yeah. or or if the government has satellites up there tracking it, but <clears throat> which I know exists, right? I mean, I've seen some satellite imagery of of some pretty big leaks here and there, but. Um, I, I just worry that there's going to be like this gotcha moment, um, just because of the delayed, uh, payment yeah, yeah. penalties. Um, hmm. and you know, our ability to change quickly, um, some companies do it really well, uh, other companies don't. And I think that's going to affect people in the next 365 days. Well, and like you said, the details are somewhat unclear. However, I think anyone out there who does or is part of, of or who could be affected should at least do some Googling uh, and, and dive into it or get their environmental reps uh, on it. Um, it leads me to think I want, it would be, wouldn't it be crazy if you're, you know, in 2020, you know, six or whatever, um, you start getting invoices to your house. And it's like, well, you drove this much and you were emitting, so now, so then now you're going to be penalizing for driving an uh, an internal combustion engine vehicle. I mean, I think at some point that's probably going to happen, whether it's in 2026 or 2030, who knows? But yeah. I, I would imagine the way things are going, you're going to then start to have to pay extra or an extra tax or something if you want to continue driving uh, ICE vehicles. But well, I mean, I yeah. Uh, there's carbon tax. If you, I mean, I just got a new Tundra. Um, there was definitely a carbon surcharge. Uh, if you fly, uh, you know, airlines, you have the option to check the box to pay X number of dollars to offset your carbon credits for your seat on that airplane. Um, oh. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's a lot of things that are going to change over the next three to five years. Yeah. So I, I would imagine you've already given me the answer, but, and let's say aside from the AI aspect, is there any emerging technologies that excite you in, in whether it's your field or just <clears throat> energy in general, uh, besides sort of the AI application? Well, I mean, this, this mobile gas capture service, I think 
I mean, it's going to be required at some point. I mean, I've gotten into arguments, not necessarily arguments, but I've had flaring companies want to partner with us in case we're not able to vent, or I'm sorry, in case we're not able to do our service um, that we call them. And, you know, I think those companies are going out of business. I, I hate to be that provocative, but flaring companies, every system needs an emergency release, right? And flaring flares on gas plants and on compressor stations, they exist for a reason. But yeah. I think mobile, mobile flaring and the ability to just burn product, I mean, Nike doesn't just set extra shoes on fire. They just don't. So, um, you know, I think we're not going to be able to do that anymore. And so the recap stuff, I was super happy to be a part of it. I think that's, I, the, you know, there's multiple companies doing it, but I think we do it pretty good. And, um, you know, I'm excited to be a part of that. Automation of almost everything excites me. So, you know, <clears throat> I live in Dallas, but there's, you know, so I primarily talk to a lot of West Texas folks where, where a lot of my work is, but, you know, manpower shortages um, are going to be a huge deal, uh, especially as we try and keep up with supply, um, you know, here in the U.S. And so, yeah. Anything you can automate, uh, which is, again, why I like WeldFit and what, you know, brought me to WeldFit was their automated launcher and receiver, right? So rather than have to send out a guy every day to launch a pig, have him drive, you know, 50 miles down the line and pick up that pig, <clears throat> which we know in West Texas could be one day, right? You just pay a guy to literally do that. Um, you can set out this automated launcher and receiver and launch seven pigs. So that's seven days worth. Um, and that saves you manpower, right? That guy can now be 7x productive. He's not driving seven times a week. He's only driving one time a week. So safety-wise, it's a lot safer. You're only opening the door one time a week. That saves on emissions. There's just so many values in automating things uh, that we can do um, that we can do to make the industry better, right? Um, yeah. Um, other technologies out there, I mean, hydrogen kind of remains to be seen. It's interesting. Carbon capture remains to be seen. Um, it's just so expensive that, uh, you know, only the oxys and the exons and the shells can really do it at this point. Sure. Um, but, you know, I think the melding of energy is really <clears throat> the next step, right? Like, how do we power a compressor station with solar? How do we, you know, how do we do things that just make our energy grid and our energy production that much more productive and that much more reliable. Yep. Yep. No, I think that our national grid is, is a whole nother topic of, of conversation, or I guess, you know, the grids within the U S but just in general, our, our, our grid, I, I, during school, I, I did some, some research and read several articles just about how much is going to require or how much work is going to be required to improve our grid and each year. And I forget who does it, maybe the department of energy, but we basically get graded on our grid, you know, on like an ABCD and then there's different buckets within that. But I mean, we are not being ranked very high and it's, it's almost like a castle built on stilts right now. And so if, you know, in the net kind of tying into you know, not only energy supply, but the, the grid capability and the infrastructure to be able to withstand the amount of electricity that we're trying to pump through. 
yeah. or to, to, to generate, which to then get to the consumer. Uh, again, there's, there's a lot of big, big things that, that need to be worked on, which I'm sure there's people out there smarter than myself that understand it and, and who are working on it. But the reality is, is that's, that's a whole another sort of interesting piece to the whole puzzle. Um, you know, and it's not one person knows it all. It's, that's the crazy thing about oil and gas and energy and all the rest of it. Well, that's where we got to share our message, right? Um, uh, a, a buddy of mine, Jack Hamlin up in Colorado and I used yeah. to always talk uh, when we worked together, um, you know, and we always kind of challenge people to act. And uh, Jack and, and his crew kind of put together the energy strong stuff, which I think is really neat and interesting. And, you know, they did some commercials and got the messaging out there. It's been really good on a, you know, Colorado level. Yeah. Um, I personally, I, I got on the city council here in Melissa, Texas, okay. um, which is really interesting. So I'm on the industrial and economic development committee. Um, good for you, man. But what you find out is you got Explorer Midstream has a, a fuel terminal here. So actually a gasoline terminal. Um, uh, Morrow Energy uh, out of West Texas, they put in an RNG facility at the city dump. So they're gathering renewable natural gas out of the city dump. Uh, the house across the street has, I don't know, a couple, maybe 20 solar panels on it. So there's there's energy there. Uh, yeah. There's a wind turbine over by Bucky's while they install all their Tesla chargers, uh, which is about a mile away as the crow flies from my house. Um, okay. So it's, it's just really interesting uh, to get involved and kind of spread that message about how complex it is and, and about how much energy is really needed. No kidding. No, it's roads and bridges and all that other stuff. But yeah. <laughs> I know, man. It's when you think about everything that has to be done, it's kind of overwhelming. But uh, we're each, you know, we, we're each doing our part, which I think is fascinating. And uh, yeah. man, this is this has been a, a very good conversation. Hopefully, some of the listeners uh, found it valuable and were able to learn something. I know I did. Uh, one last question I'm going to have before we close out. It's something on the more on the personal side, but actually, there's going to be two. Um, I'm curious. So first, if, you know, what does your ideal Friday night look like, Adam? I mean, if you had all the money in the world, you could teleport anywhere. I mean, what, what would you do and who would you spend it with? Man, I'm on the beach with my core four, this, nice. my, kids, my kids and my wife, and we're probably in Mexico on a sandy beach somewhere. Beautiful. Have you always been a beach guy or what? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Colorado and you know, when we chose to leave Colorado, we kind of asked ourselves, when was the last time we were in the mountains? And it was longer than we had thought. So, um, <laughs> yeah, beaches I, uh, are more of our calling. My wife's from Southern California, so she likes the water. Hey, you know what? I love it. I, I'm such, I got my background on my computer screen here is, is beach related. And, and uh, I, I am, I'm the same. If, if I had a choice, it's, it's a beach vacation and yeah. I love the water and um, everything that kind of comes along with it. The last question I have for you, man, is, is, do you have any daily habits or routines that contribute to your success? You know, I, I would try and work out every day, uh, try and stay healthy. You know, that allows me to work hard. Um, you know, whether I'm working eight hours or two hours, at least I'm putting in, you know, a hundred percent effort on that at all times. Yeah. Um, allows me to, you know, be a good dad, uh, allows me to, you know, do things that I want to do. Um, as far as work goes, I mean, I think 
things that I do every day are just generally try and have, um, you know, contact points. So <clears throat> whether I'm just texting a buddy that I know in the industry, whether I'm doing a podcast, whether I'm doing anything like that, I think the goal for me is just try and get touch points, uh, spread yeah. awareness, continue that thought leadership, um, you know, spreading the good word, preaching hey, the energy business so i i love it man it's i can you know especially now that you know we were talking about working from home and, and how much you enjoy it it's it's you know thankfully with technology and and again i you know i find silver lining just around it pretty much anything yeah. um you know during the pandemic working from home you know you know whatever that did to people's productivity is kind of an aside but the reality is is it made stuff like this become you know much more of the norm and, and people willing to jump on video to have a right. chat. Um, and so I'm thankful for that is I used to always try and do these in person. Cause I do like the human interaction. Like there's nothing that takes that okay. away, but the reality is, is you're not going to, you know, rip down here from Dallas to meet me at a, you know, a coffee shop or somewhere is here just to do a podcast. Like there's, there's ROI in your time right. and, um, you know, you got to find the best use for it. And so thankfully, you know, things like zoom and all the rest of it have made that possible. But, uh, Oh, again, this has been a fantastic conversation. Appreciate everything you're doing for our awesome industry. Uh, if people want to reach out to get to know more about you uh, or WeldFit, what's the best way? And I can put the link in the show notes, but um, you're on LinkedIn, obviously, Twitter, anywhere else? No, that's about it. Yeah, I would say if anyone has any questions or wants to get to know me more, uh, ask about kind of what we're doing. Um, first off, check out WeldFit.com. Our marketing group is second to none they got youtube it. videos they got brochures they got all i mean it's first class stuff um really explains what we do uh so go to weldfit.com and then yeah linkedin same thing at weldfit and then i am adam murray 99 is my linkedin address or whatever it is but you can just find me on there yeah yeah, I'll put your links in the show notes. That way people can click on there and follow and connect and all the rest of it. And cool. for all the listeners, appreciate all the support. Keep listening. If you have any thoughts or questions, or if you have any good guests that you want to connect me to, I'm always open to just about anybody. Um, you know, sometimes it's like you try and create content for everyone. You create content for nobody. But I mean, that's kind of the idea behind this is all, you know, I like to have uh, good conversations around energy with just about anybody. So reach out if you want to connect and uh, always remember folks that everyone deserves access to energy and we is greater than me. Thanks everybody. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Wicked Energy with JG. And look, if you or your organization wants to start a podcast, please visit my website and sign up for a free guide on how to start a successful podcast. Once you get through it, let me know if you have any questions or getting started. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Peace.